<laughs> I'm just going to Google Shanghai Noon swashbuckling. And then we're going to end this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the 11th episode of Partial Recall, or the first episode that anybody should actually listen to, hopefully. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the hosts. I'm here with my friend Yishai, the other of the hosts. Uh, Yishai, what is this podcast about? Uh, this podcast is about movies that we've seen as kids that we only sort of remember. Uh, and so in the first half of the episode, we uh, try to recreate the plot from memory and see what we can come up with. And we watch the movie and we come back and we discuss uh, what we got right, what we got wrong, and if it held up. And as we've been going along, uh, so Daniel has has realized that with a uh, very young child, he is creating the canon for what he wants to show her from our childhood. I'm kind of doing it more in real time because my watching experience with my kids is often we'll watch the movies that we're going to talk about in the podcast. So like I'm not sussing out whether or not I'm going to show it to them. I show it to them and then I decide whether it was a good idea in retrospect or not. Right. Because some of the movies of our childhood were good and some of them were hooked. <laughs> yeah. So what movie are we talking about? Yeah. So this week we are talking about uh, The Three Musketeers, 1993 Disney film uh, that I remember being really excited about. And then also remember, uh, or I should say, also don't remember watching and the plot. Uh, but yeah. That's what we're talking about this week. So we have a little housekeeping to do before we get started. The first thing I want to bring up is, in the last episode, I said that Megan didn't like Mighty Ducks as a kid because it was a sports movie. She disputes that. She said, the reason I didn't like Mighty Ducks is that it was formulaic and there were better versions of the same movie with things like Cool Runnings. Go, Megan. See? Formulaic, Um, not that great. Totally uh, same team. That okay. makes up for me uh, not liking Rocky as much as she wanted me to. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, okay, so that was that was housekeeping number one. Housekeeping number two. I called King Charles the King of England. He's technically the King of the United Kingdom. Uh, some of my coworkers made fun of me for that because uh, he's not the King of England. He's King of more than England, but whatever. Yeah, it's all the same. here. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then the third thing is in the last episode, um, you mentioned during our recording that you had a cold and you weren't feeling super well, and your son was home, and he also wasn't feeling well, and your daughter was at school, and she was begging to come home. Uh, do you want to reveal to the audience why, why that was? Yeah, fun fact, we had COVID. Uh, I did not know that when I recorded. Maybe I wouldn't have recorded, although thankfully it was pretty mild. Um, yeah, we were all like, yeah, it's a cold. What else could it possibly be? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the nice thing is it'll go down in your legend as like in your legacy as like the Michael Jordan flu game. Yeah. That was maybe our best episode yet. And you recorded it with COVID. Like, so, I know. I know. Now problem. I'm like, I'm going to go around lick, licking subway poles and stuff just to make sure I'm sick for every episode because like it worked. It worked. I should keep it up. <laughs> just like have people cough directly into my mouth, lick subway poles, kiss strangers, whatever it takes. I'm very committed. Okay. So give us some facts about the three musketeers. Yeah, The Three Musketeers. This movie was released uh, November 12th, uh, 1993. So 
uh, right before your birthday. That's fun. Uh, uh, it was directed by Stephen Herrick, who uh, also directed The Mighty Ducks. That's how we got here. Uh, obviously based on the 1844 novel by Alexander Dumas, The Three Musketeers. Uh, and it stars a bunch of people. Uh, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, Tim Curry, Rebecca De Mornay. Uh, I'm sure others, but those are the top billings. Um, so, while you were talking, I looked this up. I was wondering what movie I would have seen for my birthday that year in the theater. And I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's possible I would have seen The Three Musketeers. Like, it came out around my birthday. Um, do you know what movie opened the weekend after my birthday? That was definitely the movie I saw. 93? Was It, it was a kid's movie? Uh, ish. It stars a, a, a star that we love on this podcast. Oh, uh, Robin Williams? Yep. Mrs. Doubtfire. Ah. Uh, yeah. Adam's Family Values also came out the the 19th, so that would have been the weekend before my birthday. And The Nightmare Before Christmas was still in theaters around this time. So this is like a, a, good, cool a good time to be a kid. Cool Runnings? Yeah. Cool Runnings in the theater still. It's a great time um, to be a kid. Uh, look Who's Talking Now. RoboCop 3. No, that one's not Yeah, we uh, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, which I saw on an airplane. Hocus back in the Pocus day. came out in 93. They just um, released a sequel on Disney Plus, on Disney Plus, right? Yes. Though That's I have not seen the sequel. And I hadn't, I actually didn't see Hocus Pocus as a kid. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, I did see the Beverly Hillbillies on an airplane um, back when to watch a movie on an airplane, they came around with the little cassette tapes. And you had to like put the cassette tape into the video player. And I don't remember it. that. I mean, oh, I've been yeah, on planes yeah. really young, but I guess I never. I, I, yeah, I don't remember. I that. believe that that also happens in Mission Impossible Two. Like, I, it's Mission Impossible or Mission Impossible Two, where he receives the mission on an airplane, and it's like the lady's walking down with like the rack of tapes, and he, and she's like, "This one's for you," or whatever. Oh, interesting. That, uh, explodes, but yeah, I, I remember like being on planes and like the screens would drop down from like where like the, the oxygen masks would. And then it would just be the movie. Like you couldn't choose a movie. They just showed the movie. Yeah. So I think what happened here is I was on business class. Oh. I was doing some important business. Yeah. Uh, as a whatever year old seven. Very uh, fancy. Did you have uh, a cell phone and a pager? Uh, no, but do you think that anybody in the Three Musketeers, nineteen ninety three, carries a cell phone? I suspect not. <laughs> I think we're gonna we're gonna break our streak, unfortunately. Uh, that's a shame. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. So, wait, oh, I and importantly, listening to you, did you say who's in the movie? Yeah, I can read actually who they are in the movie. Maybe that'll help. Uh, so, it stars Charlie Sheen as Aramis. Kiefer Sutherland as Athos, Chris O'Donnell as D'Artagnan, Oliver Platt as Porthos. So those are the four musketeers. Uh, then Tim Curry is Cardinal Richelieu. He's the bad guy. Rebecca de Mornay is Milady de Winter. Um, her name is Milady? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like her, her name or her title. But no response. I have no response to that. <laughs> um. And then other people who are not as famous. So I'm just going to stop there. It had a budget of $30 million and it made $111 million. So it was a pretty big success. Uh, oh, and it has a 105 minute runtime. But the other thing wasn't that successful, right? Because they never made the fourth Musketeer, like the sequel. 
Yeah, I think they wanted to do a sequel. Um, I, I, okay. we'll, we'll have to look up like the details of like whether or not this was considered a success. You barely remember the movie. I also barely remember the movie. The question is, which one of us barely remembers the movie more so? <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you this. When I was a kid, what, okay, why, why were you uh, excited about this movie? So I was amped for this movie because I recall it looking like a super cool action movie Yeah, that I could pretend was also like educational because I was like, it's based on a classic work. Like, and I could, could, like, I could say to my parents, like, you see, this one's like serious because it's based on like this like classic story. And so yeah. it must be important. We have to go see it. Did you, when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the great illustrated classics. Do you remember that series? I feel like I remember seeing those at the book fair. Yeah, but not reading them. You're too cool. You're no, smoking, smoking, like, smoking behind the school while I was reading great illustrated classics. We're reading like Goosebumps and yeah, I loved like I think my dad was really into like uh, like classics of literature. So I guess that like uh, I, I absorbed that, and that was like they, they had like the illustrated ones where it was like a picture like every couple of pages, and so like I read like all of those classic books and so i think i was really jazzed about this because i had read this i read this and like the man in the iron mask and like books like that um uh yeah i was i was eight when this came out that makes sense because like they were they were books for like that age like they were they looked big but because half of them were illustrated so like i think i was really psyched to watch this because of that um and i remember yeah looking awesome so yeah plot wise i don't know you want to you want to take the first stab at it Okay, so here's what I remember, or yeah. what I think I remember, mostly, honestly, from the trailer that's in my head. Because I, yeah, I barely remember this movie. I re- Chris O'Donnell is like a young, wannabe adventurer. And he's like, I've heard of these musketeers, and I want to, like, be a musketeer. And so then he goes to, like, find them, and they're like, there are no musketeers. And he's like, no, but we need musketeers. And they're like, there are no musketeers. And then... There's the villain played by Tim Curry, and he's like, ha, 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 there's no musketeers to stop me. And then the musketeers get together, and, like, Chris O'Donnell is the fourth musketeer in the three musketeers. That's, like, the limits of what I remember about this movie. And possibly there is, like, not parkour action, (laughs) but, like, parkour-adjacent action where, like, Chris O'Donnell does some, like, acrobatic stuff. Yeah. On, like, an outdoor like the 15th century equivalent or whatever time period this takes place, like of like scaffolding, maybe yeah. they're in like a mine or something. And there are like barrels filled with gunpowder that explode. Okay. I don't, I, yeah. That sounds familiar ish. I don't remember if this movie was made like 10, 15 years later, there would be like bullet time with like muskets, right? <laughs> like a musket ball would be like flying and he would like lean back as it like whizzed by his face but yeah, I think for this version, it's just a lot of like backflips off of things and then like sword action. Um, yep. I, I don't think I remember a ton more. I think, yeah, I think. <laughs> this is the end of the first half of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is fun because I really think like the poster and the back of the box, of the trailer will actually give us very important pieces of information where as opposed to like, oh yeah, we that's what we said. Um, but I think you're right. I think he's, he's an D'Artagnan. He's an aspiring uh musketeer he comes to like i don't know paris where is this set um he, france. he i'm assuming somewhere in france yeah so he shows up uh 
to yeah to be a musketeer and there's no there's no musketeers except i think the three musketeers they're like very like sarcastic and like bantery and like i think they are still like they refused to be disbanded so they're like they're like the uh unofficial like law of the town where like oh you're saying that the musketeers were a larger group yes and they were disbanded and then these three musketeers remain and they are like a pain in cardinal richelieu tim curry's ass because like he wanted them out of the picture for whatever shenanigans he was gonna do and they are like not having it and like they wear like cool bandanas and like they're basically like a biker gang but like in 15th century france okay so here's a question before yeah. we watch the trailer or anything do they do french accents oh no i think tim curry does i don't think that the musketeers so, do funnily enough i was like what is tim curry like i'm gonna look this up and i was reading his thing so tim curry is english yeah and it says his mother was a school secretary but when i first read it i thought it said I thought it said his mother was a cool secretary. <laughs> He's like, well, I was a secretary, but not those narcs. She was a cool, a cool mom. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what that meant. Uh, you know, it was only sixty minutes, and they're like, "I heard your mom was a secretary." He's like, "Yeah, but she was a cool secretary." Don't get it twisted. Um, uh, okay, so he does the French accent. You think as the villain, where he like really yeah. leans into his Frenchness? Yep. Okay, but none of the other characters. You don't think Charlie Sheen's out here doing like a no, no, no. But I Charlie but, Ponce kind of thing. I don't. I don't think so. Um, that like would be my Chef guess. And Little Mermaid. He's not going like le song. <laughs> <"Le-> <laughs> 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 maybe, like, yeah, that's what it maybe like he like cuts someone's like pants off and goes <laughs> like yes. maybe that's like a thing. Um, but no, I don't think they're doing French accents. But so I think they're like, they're like, we're, we're not going right. Like we're, we're too, we're too cool for this. And so like, they're like, you know, here's what, okay. So here's what my guess is. They're kind of just like troublemakers, right? They like drink and get into brawls and they're like, not trying to like root out Tim Curry's corruption as much as they just like, we like being musketeers. This is fun. This is great. And so, like, they're kind of, like, not a major threat. But then D'Artagnan, the young, you know, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed wannabe, is like, there's corruption going on here. Like, don't you see? And they're like, ah, oh, kid, we just want to drink and, like, get into sword fights. And then he, like, convinces them to, like, get on board and, like, become, you know, like, save the kingdom or whatever. Like, does that does that seem plausible? Yeah, I think I think we both have the sense that he is the like driver of the action. And yeah, Tim Curry is like using the lack of musketeers as an excuse to do villainy. Yeah, and so here's my so like as a trio, as like a Three Stooges type deal. I th- like my 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 instinct is that Oliver Platt is like the clown, like the jokester, the jester. Uh, Charlie Sheen is the horny one, um, and then Kiefer Sutherland is like the angry leader. So you're sort of bringing the Jack Bauer into Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But I think like a little more like like, uh, drinking and bitter. More than like, we got to save the day, the president. uh." We only have 24 hours (laughs) to save the day. Yeah. What if uh, what if they, that was like the plot of this movie and like no one no one remembered this movie? So like when he went to like pitch twenty four, he's like, "What if we did it as a twenty four hour thing?" And they're like, "Yeah, right, no one's ever done that." Clock, it goes like beep 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 beep. Yeah, 
exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that that would be like my guess with those personality types. Tim Curry, I think, is really like hamming it up in like I don't remember what he was like in Robin Hood, but I, I feel like it's like a similar kind of character. I also feel I like think it's a pretty safe bet that Tim Curry is hamming it up. Yeah. Like that's I'm imagining him almost like his character in Home Alone 2. Right. Or where do you think he lands on the scale of uh, Dustin Hoffman and Hook? Oh, it's not going to be as good as Hook. I don't think he's going to have that interesting I'm suicidal element to his yeah. thing. Um, but then who's – so who's Milady? So Milady is obviously like – that's what I'm saying. I think like Charlie Sheen. Like one of them is going to like have a thing with her, right? And like Tim oh, Curry. Okay. Like, I think it will be fun to bet which one of them is going to – so I already said Charlie Sheen is the horny one, so I think it's going to be him. Um, I'm going to go Chris O'Donnell. I feel like Chris O'Donnell and Rebecca De Mornay are going to end up together. She could be. Uh, isn't she older than him? Maybe it's like whatever. Yeah, maybe he's got a thing for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's the plot, right? I think that's as far as we're going to get. Okay. Um, should we look at the poster? The poster might help. Let's look at the poster. Okay. So here's the poster. You, yeah. Oh my god! You know what this poster really looks like to me? Maybe this isn't entirely fair, but this poster really reminds me of um, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. Kind of got that vibe. Okay, I'll describe the poster. It's a floating head poster. Um, all the way in the left, we have Tim Curry. Then we have a baby-faced Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. In the middle is Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And then next to him, we have Charlie Sheen. And then... Oliver Platt, and then in the back, Rebecca De Mornay. She gets an and. All of their names are above the sort of floating heads. And do you see what it says? It says who they all are, and says Rebecca De Mornay is Milady. <laughs> <laughs> but who's speaking? Because we still don't know whose lady she is. Yeah. Um, okay. So then it says the tagline of the movie: "A place of betrayal, the fate of a king, a time for heroes." Ah. So there is a fate of a king involved, like. Let's talk about what that means. Yeah. And then it says, Walt Disney Pictures presents the three musketeers. You see the swords crossing, all three swords crossing, and it says all for one and one for all. Yeah. There's a period in that sentence for some reason. All, all for one, one period, period. And one, and one for, for all, all period. period. <laughs> this is, you know, why it's making up for what, what, what movie didn't have a period at the end of one of the boxes. Uh, that Demolition Man. This is where the extra period went. Yeah. Do any of them also uphold the law in this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. ostensibly, uh, right? There's the three musketeers. Uh, yeah. So, okay. okay the, the fate, of, the a fate of a king. That's interesting. Do you think Tim Curry like kidnaps a baby prince? No, I think Tim Curry as Cardinal Richelieu is like the king's like advisor, and he well, is like, like our situation. Yes, he's like treacherous. Is there like a war? Is there like what is it like the the What's it called? The Renaissance? What? No. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> I think the Renaissance is a female goose. <laughs> what are those wars? The Crusades. The Crusades. <laughs> I do like some old term. Are the Crusades happening during this time? Is this a Crusades era thing? Um. Maybe. I think there was like a war. And the king... should embarrassed? You should be embarrassed, right? I'm embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I stand by everything I say on this podcast. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm now on list of wars involving France. 
This could be the the Anglo-French War. Maybe the back maybe the back of the box will tell us. But I think there's something like there's a war and that's like there's no one left to defend. Oh, it could be the Thirty Years War. Maybe. I don't remember. It, that's not ringing a bell. But I think what's happening is there's it's, no one left a, to. That's def- a real war. Like it definitely happened. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not doubting <laughs> <laughs> that the war happened. I'm just saying I don't remember if it was this movie. But I think what happens is that coinciding with the disbandment of the Musketeers is like there's a war, so there's no one to stop Tim Curry from like a coup. And that's the fate of a king. Interesting. Okay. The theory. This is a working theory. Uh, my bet is going to be that this actually takes place during the Valtolina War. Um, which I'm now looking up on Wikipedia. This is a good podcast. Great podcasting, I was about to say. Um, the Valtolina War was an episode of the 30 Years War. Probably a, like a season finale. <laughs> Arising out of competition to control the Valtoline. I don't need to explain what that is. Oh, an Alpine Valley forming a key part of the Spanish road. There was only one road, the Spanish road. Um, there were no cars. What do they need roads for? I like this on, on, on Wikipedia. Uh, they have like they have the list of the people that were involved in the war, but they call them the belligerents, like... These are the two sides of the war. So it was France, the three leagues, which sounds like three musketeers, mm-hmm. Venice, Savoy versus the Papal States, the Holy Roman Empire, and Spain. So I'm sort of I'm like lumping in Cardinal Richelieu, perhaps, with the Holy Roman Empire. Oh. So I think this movie is about control of the Valtoline. Papal control. Of the Valtoline. Of the Valtoline. very important part of this. Aren't the Valtali the uh, female warriors from uh, Thor? That's the Valkyrie. I know. I know. Do you? Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So the poster didn't help us a ton. It's not a great poster. More. Oh, Um, it's kind of cool looking. Meaning, are you sorry? Are you saying it's not a great poster as far as like helping us guess the plot of a movie from 1993? Or are you saying it's not a great poster? I the faces very well. Like. Kiefer Sutherland is giving good, serious action movie face. Charlie Sheen is giving the like horny face. Bar face. It's yes. definitely the horny face. Oliver, Oliver oh. is giving the like I just farted on an elevator face. <laughs> yeah, because he's the the jester. He's the little stinker. Um, Chris O'Donnell is giving the like uh, shine your shoes, governor face. Like he looks <laughs> like a little child. He's got. Like a bowl haircut kind of deal. It looks like he's concerned about the fate of France and wants to be the person who saves it. And Tim Curry looks like his album just dropped on yeah. SoundCloud. Like he's making a rapper. I'm a cool face. Yeah. Uh, this is a lot of mixed imagery here. Um, okay. So I think that's all we're going to get out of this. Um, the fate of a king is involved definitively about the Valtellino War. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, they call it the Valtellino War. Right. I mean, everybody knows about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So should we read the back of the VHS box? Yes. Yeah, I already, I, I'm opening I, it up. I already love the uh, the first pull quote. There's a good, a good spoiler. Okay. So we're going to go to um, the cover of the box. Again, it has all the names. 
It says Walt Disney Pictures presents the Three Musketeers, all for one period and one for all period. And then it has a sort of a, a view of a valley with a castle and a cliff, you know, sort of framed by some some branches on a tree. Uh, and you can see the Three Musketeers from left to right, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, um, Charlie Sheen, and then all the way on the right, Oliver Platt. And then in between Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt, you have Chris O'Donnell. They're all putting their swords in. So it's four swords. They're crossing and there's a little like glow of light where their swords cross. They are wearing like Monty Python and the Holy Grail <laughs> level costumes of like sort of like blue tunics with crosses on them. Yeah. Uh, and underneath them, there's a quote from Jeffrey Lyons, which says, loads of fun. And there's a quote from ABC TV Los Angeles, nonstop action adventure. Uh, both of those have exclamation marks. Yeah. On the back of the box, we have a quote from Gene Siskel of Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> it says thumbs up. This is what I laughed about. Because obviously. Their famous thing is how many thumbs <laughs> Right. Right. Gene Siskel of uh, Siskel and Ebert says thumbs up as in. Uh, Roger Ebert of Siskel and Ebert said thumbs down. Um, um, and then, okay. And then ABC radio says a hugely enjoyable romp. Every one of these pull codes has an exclamation mark. They didn't get the memo. You're only supposed to use exclamation marks sparingly in writing, whatever. Um, okay. Tell, tell then, that to my uh, emails. <laughs> hey, I'd love to set up some time to chat. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. And then on the back of the box, we see Kiefer Sutherland in a close embrace. But maybe he's saying, no, Charlie Sheen really is great for you. <laughs> and we see Charlie Sheen with a goatee sort of pointing towards the – and he's got kind of a mullet. He's got the uh, the wild uh, thing uh, look in his eyes. Was he wild thing in a major league? Yeah, yeah he was wild thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. And on the spine of the box, we have Kiefer Sutherland – in in a picture like a small picture of Keith or Sutherland and he's doing the like he's like kind of tilting his head and smiling yeah was Keith or Sutherland yeah. really hot in this uh moment I in mean, time not Kiefer Sutherland oh I was gonna say because he's very hot <laughs> yeah sorry I didn't mean I meant more like uh that Hansel so hot right now not like so right now. I mean I think at this time it's like hey this guy's he's hot he's hot. a good actor he's gonna go on to be in 24 probably right <laughs> Um, everyone just knows, you know, let's get Kiefer Sutherland front and center. And he uh, uh, was in Young Guns with Emilio Estevez, and now he's in this with uh, Charlie Sheen. Bros. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to read the back of the box. Mm-mm. Set during the Valtellina War. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> okay, now, uh, here's what it says. I like, uh, okay, let me, fin- let me read it, and then I'll explain what I like about it. Uh, Nab the star-studded comedy adventure that dazzled moviegoers everywhere. Another exclamation mark. It's the action-packed tale of three loyal swordsmen, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt, who are joined by an eager recruit, Chris O'Donnell, so far we're good, to protect the King of France. Together, the foursome battle enormous odds in their attempt to defeat an evil royal advisor, Woo! Curry, and a seductive envoy, Rebecca de Mornay. Oh, so she's like working with Tim Curry? Uh-huh. Plotting to overthrow Francis Crown. I should read that whole sentence. Together, the force of battle, enormous odds in their attempt to defeat an evil royal advisor and a seductive envoy plotting to overthrow Francis Crown, fighting against both time and scores of enemies, exclamation mark. You'll cheer out loud when these exciting musketeers face danger, fun, and adventure at every turn, proving they are the greatest swashbucklers who ever lived. 
Yeah. Did not and then underneath, realize. there's sort of a battle scene, um, a lot of soldiers and a horse-drawn carriage. Can I ask a... Keep your southern driving it. Question? Yes, you can. Does the term musketeers imply muskets? Or am I wrong about that? Because aren't they like famous swordsmen? Musketeer. Googling it. A type of soldier equipped with a musket. So why why are they known for their swords? Well, because like every musketeer... It's like how... um, when you meet a Jewish person with the last name Ashkenazi, they're Sephardic because it's not noteworthy to call that someone would have the last name. Like you give him the last name Ashkenazi because he's in a Sephardic, he's like a Sephardic person from an Ashkenaz place. Oh. You wouldn't give an Ashkenaz person the last name Ashkenazi because that, that describes all Ashkenaz people. Got it. Right. So it's like, if you're a musketeer, you're, you obviously use a musket, right? You have to stand out. You have to be good with a sword. Okay. Okay. I think that that's what it is. These three musketeers are known for their swordsmanship. Got it. Okay. I like um, it. Do you think Disney was like, can we make them into musketeers as well? <laughs> uh, that's a thing. I've seen that. Uh, um, Keeper Southern wearing the mouse ears? <laughs> no. No. Uh, a Mickey Mouse version of the three months. Sorry. Not like Justin Timberlake. Let, let me... I, that's all that too is a thing but uh no like uh a goofy and donald and mickey three musketeers uh were like uh pete the big dog is the bad guy uh dog is he a dog pete do you know who pete is nope is that, a, is that a male cat <laughs> you'll get there uh when your daughter's a little older maybe depends if you maybe. deem it part of the canon uh okay so I was okay. right about the royal advisor. We were both blindsided by the revelation that Rebecca de Mornay is a seduct as what is she? A seductive envoy. Envoy. And she's, she's with Tim Curry plotting to overthrow Francis Crown. What is so, an envoy? Uh, another time to Google. Envoy. <laughs> we got a great big envoy. Um, a messenger or representative, especially one on a diplomatic mission. Okay. Oh, right. Like a presidential envoy. So maybe you're right. Not about whatever the Valtteri, but about the idea that like she and is being sent from another country to help overthrow the King of France. Uh, and so like Tim Curry, like to your point about like Cardinal, like being from somewhere else, like, right. Like it's a, uh, you get what I'm saying. Okay, so can I just, can I read one sentence more from the Wikipedia on the Valtellina War? <laughs> God. Yes. From the course of war section. <clears throat> this is the first sentence. With the ascendancy of Cardinal Richelieu, French policy changed, period. End of sentence. That's is all that I true? To read. Yes, I'm not making that up. Wait, what, this is the next sentence. And with Rebecca de Mornay's help, <laughs> they overthrew the French government. Richelieu had no difficulty in persuading Louis XIII that if Spain gained control of the Valtellina Valleys, it would unite them with possessions of the House of Austria, doubling the power of this house, and remove the only obstacle to its universal domination, exposing the independence of all of Europe, shackling Christendom, making the Pope the chaplain of the Habsburgs, and excluding France from Italian affairs. Did you say shackling Kirsten Dunst? Christendom. Ah. Chris Dunn, the uh, the uh, failed NBA player. 
I just want to point out that this happened entirely organically. I did not research this in advance. <laughs> this movie actually definitely takes place during the Valtellino War. <laughs> Maybe like that was like a latent memory in your head. Like the only thing you remember about about the, the comedy action adventure Disney movie that you saw when you were about to turn eight years old uh, was the Valtellino War. Yeah, I became a big 30 years warhead after this. Yeah. So. That must be what it is. I mean, um, you're, I could see your dad knowing a lot about the Valtellina War. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. That's probably accurate. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, now that we basically know exactly what the movie's about, should we watch the trailer? Yeah. I mean, I think we've... <laughs> we obviously remember it super well. So let's... Who even needs it? But let's see. All right. You ready? A lot of, I have a lot of observations about that trailer. I'm going to try to work in reverse order. Uh, they stole the Indiana Jones joke, right? I was just thinking uh, the exact same thing. They steal the Indiana Jones joke where the guy does a bunch of incredible swordsmanship and then Oliver Platt just drops him through a floor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe making some jokes about that person's ethnicity it does appear to be a Chinese swordsman. Yeah. Um, and then Rebecca De Mornay makes a pretty uh, blue joke about changing uh, um, Tim Curry's religion, as in she's going to circumcise him. Uh, I was right about um, Oliver Platt being the comic relief. Uh, there's a great joke where he said, anyone want some champagne? And he said, we're in the middle of a chase. And he goes, you're right, a red. Uh, I was wrong, or I was semi-right <laughs> about uh Charlie Sheen being horny. It seems like they're all horny. Yep. Uh, so I mean, they're French. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I should clarify. That's not my opinion. <laughs> That's like the tell us more about kids the horny in American friend. media. If you, French was code for horny, we all remember Pepe, Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew, yeah. obviously. Uh, um, and then. Uh, I think I might have been wrong about that. They were like not into saving the king. They seem like they are all on board with saving the king out of the gate. And then yep. it also seems it like Rebecca De Mornay does kind of hit on Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. When he's like wearing, he's like shirtless in this trailer. I think she hits on everybody. She's a seductive envoy. That's a good point. That's a real character archetype. I didn't see, <laughs> I, not to keep bringing this up, I didn't see anyone on a cell phone, but. The Tim Curry character will use whatever is the equivalent of a cell phone in this movie. This is your prediction. He's going to like... Tin cans. Send a telegram or something. Right. <laughs> he's yeah. going to send a message by horse. Whatever the fastest yeah. way to send a message is, he's going to do it. 
Right. They're like, oh, you carry a horseman around? Well, you're to send so messages? important. You have your own carrier pigeon. Oh, there was like a guy in all black wearing an eye patch and he had a mustache. That that seems you didn't catch that. No, I don't think I even saw it. <laughs> oh, uh, well, that so seems familiar to me. I was watching the trailer. I was like a split second behind you, uh-huh. but I could hear your audio and my audio, and so it was like kind of hard to hear what was going on. Oh, I'm sorry. No, my fault. Almost, almost like we're not a professional operation. Um, Okay, well then, so that's the plot. I think we've we've basically got as far as the plot goes. Watching the trailer. Yeah, what do you think you're going to give this movie? Okay, so before you get to that, do you remember when you saw it? So, like, we were both really excited by the prospect of this movie as kids. Do you remember what you thought when you saw it? So you, like, remember you loved it. I am pretty sure I love it. I'm pretty convinced that I loved it. It was swashbuckling. It was there's, comedic. So after watching the trailer, there's a part of me that's not 100% sure I've seen it. <laughs> like, um, because <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> I'm glad that we've already at least done one movie where you haven't seen it before. What if you just like fucked up the entire premise of this show only 42 minutes into the recording only now realizing you've never seen it i'm not saying for sure that i haven't seen it but like my memories of it are very vague right yeah i definitely remember it existing and me being excited about the possibility of seeing it yeah but it doesn't look at all like what i remember and i'm wondering if what i'm remembering is actually just the mask of zorro Oh, so I, to, to that point, it doesn't look at all like I remember it. I know I've seen it. I know I loved it. My, I think my issue is that like, it's been overwritten by more contemporary versions of this era of movie. And so like the production quality and even just like the costume design, like doesn't look great. No, it really doesn't. Well, I I know also that trailer was in like TV format. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it'll just look better. It's on Disney Plus here. I assume, I assume it's it for you as well. Disney movie. Um, okay, so now having read the back of the box, I'll post or whatever, like, what do you think you're going to give this movie? I am feeling uh, cautious about this one after watching that trailer. I think I'm going to enjoy it regardless. I'm starting to question the quality of the movie. And so to be safe, even though when we first started this podcast, I said, I will not be safe. I'll throw caution to the wind and give everything a 10. Um, I've seen enough movies that haven't been great. I'm going to give this a six. That's my prediction. Yeah. I'm very nervous about this movie. The thing that I, I'm excited about, I didn't read this on the back of the box out loud, but it is, this movie is 110 minutes long. 105. I saw 105. Uh, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Uh, I think this movie's going to suck. Like, I, I legitimately think this movie's going to be really bad. So I'm going to say, I'm going to come out here, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say that I'm going to end up giving this movie a four. Okay. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say four. But I am excited to watch it. So, like, despite the fact that I think I'm going to give it a bad score, like, yeah, I'm very curious about this movie because I maybe this isn't so much a thing, but I don't notice as many of this type of movie where it's yeah. like the big sort of swashbuckling, uh, like 
young boys adventure movie that's like a little it can play for adults but it's really still kind of more for that like 10 to 15 year olds i feel yeah. like um and it's historical like i don't feel like i see a bunch of these coming up maybe i'm maybe there's some that i'm not thinking of no i think that's right i mean i suppose like think like based on like classic literature type stuff like you're not seeing like a lot of of those but even like would you put this movie in the same genre as like uh, pirates of the caribbean uh zorro uh what other swashbuckling adventures were there um i'm searching swashbuckling adventure movies hook hook i mean yeah hook the princess bride oh yeah robin hood uh the man in the iron mask the Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo is the movie I was thinking of, I think. That's also Alexander Dumas, right? Yes. Yes. Let's say yes. Why not? Let's say yes. Otherwise, I will be the Dumas. <laughs> Nailed it. The Count of Monte Cristo is also written by Alexander Dumas. Congratulations. Yes. Phew. Uh, but I feel like that was the thing. Like there were those sorts of movies were more popular and they're sort of fallen away. There's some interesting facts about this movie that I've, uh, incidentally, uh, seen when I was looking up the keyword and stuff. Uh, that'll be interesting to discuss in the second half, like the development of it and stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a real stinker. <laughs> I have to say, yeah. but, yeah. but I think it's going to be fun. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm not going to be hard on it, despite how it's going to stink. I also, I just want to point this out. This is this is actually really funny to me. I'm looking at a list on Google of, I googled swashbuckling adventure movies, right? So Three Musketeers is actually number one on that list, hmm. and then The Mask of Zorro and Pirates of the Caribbean, Princess Bride, blah blah blah, Count of Monte Cristo. The last movie on this list, um, it came out. It's the most recent movie on the list as well, uh, except for like some of the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Um, I kind of want to make you try to guess. Swashbuckling Adventure Movie came out in 2013. Uh, 20 you're never going to guess. Is it like uh, old and timey? No, it's Captain Phillips. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I couldn't figure out how to set this up. But like... <laughs> I'm the captain now. I'm the swashbuckler now. Like, is that... That was the... At some point in this movie, is Chris O'Donnell going to go, I'm the musketeer now. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the musketeer now. Maybe. I think... I think they... I can see how they got there. It is a long walk, but they were like, swashbuckling, pirates, modern day pirates, Captain Phillip. Like it's not that long of a walk. Yeah, that's true. I guess swashbuckling is more of a pirate thing. But then this is the OG swashbuckling film we said. All right, we're getting this is we're, pretty we're, far afield. Yeah, way off. All right. So I think we're both feeling like this movie uh is gonna be bad, but we're both excited to watch it. Fair? Yeah, because the other thing is I also feel like this is the sort of bad movie that Disney doesn't make anymore. Yeah. Because I feel like Disney is so like honed in on what its product is at this point that there's not a lot of risk and there's not a lot of like like the worst Marvel movie is still like a six. Yeah. 
you know, unless you're just like, I'm annoyed at Marvel movies, so I'm going to give them all fours. But like, none of them are bad. They're, fun- uh, they're functional. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like they've they've mitigated all risk. They yeah. they have a wheelhouse and they will churn out movies in that wheelhouse because they will all make a ton of money. So why? Do why? I need to Google what a wheelhouse is now? <laughs> is that like a swashbuckle? <laughs> Does the swashbuckle go in the wheelhouse? Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see an actual bad movie, but I think it's going to be a bad movie. My prediction score is a four. Um, is this the first movie that we think is going to be bad that we're still like, meaning I think one of us is always thinking the movie is going to be good. And that's why like when we come back, there's like, I think this is the first time we both agree. Like I thought Mar- after the Mario trailer, I'm like, this movie is going to be terrible. And you're like, it's going to be amazing. I think we both watched this trailer and we're both like, no, this is going to be bad, but that's okay. And we'll go with it and we'll the- enjoy it. The one saving grace is like every now and then when Megan and I are trying to pick a movie to watch, she'll be like, I've never heard of these movies. Let's watch the trailers. Whenever we go to that, we always end up watching whatever the most recent movie is because old trailers were so bad. Yeah. Um, by and large. And there's someone's going to be like, oh, there's a good trailer for whatever. Yeah. For the most part, they were much, much, much worse. And so it's possible that this is just a really bad trailer and then we're both going to come back the second half of this episode and we're going to be like, the movie's a nine or a 10, but I think it's going to be a four. And I'm just now realizing I should have given it a three. Uh, well, there's D'Artagnan. So, you know, yeah, you bumped it up one for D'Artagnan. Um, would that we had someone, we had enough listeners to this podcast that one of them (laughs) would get mad that we said all old trailers are bad from your mouth to the podcasting God's ears. Uh, or to right. our listeners' ears. To our listeners' ears, yeah. If you uh, think there's good old trailers, write us at partialrecall at gmail.com. We won't get that email because we have not established that email address. But yeah. maybe we will. All right. Let's go watch uh, The Three Musketeers and uh, we'll talk about also, it. Don't listen to this episode first. <laughs> <laughs> if you... Are really into grammar podcasts. Listen to this episode first. Do you have your usual bullshit that you start this with? <laughs> I don't. I was just going to say that. Um, no one in your we, family we, sick. You don't have any weird commuting story to tell. <laughs> I did go to the laundromat this week. I did not see the king. Ah. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't have much. I Cardinal was Richelieu got to him, I guess. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, we were supposed to start a half hour ago. But uh, you had a duel to finish up before yeah. we could start our podcast. I- I, before we go into anything, like before we talk about the plot, before we talk about what we thought about the movie, before we talk about what we got right, what we got wrong, I want to talk about one specific thing that I got right that I am so proud of. Yeah. Uh, in the first half of this episode, I suggested that despite the fact that this movie was in 1625, or because of the fact that this movie was in 1625, Cardinal Richelieu would not have a cell phone, but that he would use some really fast form of communication. Uh, and I specifically said that he might use a carrier pigeon. And then... 47 and a half minutes into this movie. <laughs> he sends the message by carrier pigeon and brags about how fast it's going to be. 
the OG version of like the whole cell phone character type. I, I think you've you've cracked the code on on these movies. Yes, if your movie is shitty, spoiler alert, and you have a villain, that villain will use a cell phone or a period appropriate cell phone equivalent. <laughs> uh uh yeah no, i was blown away like i i had to t- like, i normally try not to tell you anything that's th- like happening in my head during the movie but i like immediately had to text you my jaw was on the ground like i was yeah like, when you texted me that i did not pick up on that because you had made mention i believe in the first half of the episode uh about like powder kegs exploding in, mm-hmm. any, in a given swashbuckling adventure and um and powder kegs exploded and i thought that's what you're making reference to because um it was right when you said it would be. So I, I missed the carrier pigeon uh, thing. So I wasn't even like thinking about it. So that was a great call uh, as was the powder kegs. Uh, all right, let's get into the, uh, let's get into the plot of the movie. Okay. Why don't you uh, talk us through um, what happens? So here's what happens in the movie. I'm, I'm actually, we often spend a long time going through the plot. So I had this idea of, well, why don't I just read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia? Okay. So that we don't have to like try to recap, recap the plot from memory a second time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's like half the fun, but, uh, but fine. Let's just, let's just see. Okay, you know what? Actually, fuck that. I'm going to do it from memory because yeah. now, now I feel like you challenged me. Uh, okay, yeah. so like a young, Ron, you're like a you're like a young or I guess old D'Artagnan. I I challenge you, and you're not backing down. This movie opens with, um. Uh, uh, Chris O'Donnell um, in a sword fight. Is there a scene before the sword fight? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene with Cardinal Richelieu where he um, murders. He's on a boat for a while. Yeah, he's on a boat. see some prisoners. Yeah. Right. And then the movie opens. Cardinal Richelieu is on a little boat underground. Looks, actually, it looks great. I will say overall, I think this movie looks really good. I was, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised given how low rent it looked in the trailer we watched. Agreed. The totally overall look at this movie is really good. There's some really great shots, some very beautiful scenery. There's some really great castles. Uh, yeah. So the movie opens with Cardinal Richelieu on a boat and that patch guy who I pointed out in the first half of the movie. He's a very important character. His name is, is Captain Rochefort. Yeah. Rochefort. And they and there's a great joke where they go, isn't that the name of a stinky cheese? I don't. Great joke is a stretch. Great joke. Joke uh, is a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> observation anyway he's he, he like the prisoner begs for mercy and cardinal richelieu is like yeah sure but then he like winks at rochefort and who like stabs him in shadow so early on the movie establishes it's pretty violent a lot of people die in this movie yeah, it does a very subtle thing which is it tells you cardinal richelieu is evil <laughs> extremely subtle you have to look hard to notice it tim curry plays a villain in this movie yeah i couldn't uh, tell yeah, no, he legitimately reminds me of of the, the scene in The Simpsons where the like it's I think it's the GOP like convention and they're just like what are we gonna do and they're just like toast like gentlemen to evil <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's like the that's like the opening during the credits so we okay. we out of the gate we see Cardinal Richelieu as a, a bad uh, man but also like. I'm I'm fully here for credit sequences. I love the long, drawn-out credits. He's on the boat. Yeah. He's just kind of standing there. It looks really cool. Love it. Okay. Then we meet um, Chris O'Donnell, and he's like kind of a fuckboy. I think that's the implication. He's messed around with some guy's sister. sister. And that guy is demanding honor from him, and they're having a sword fight. 
And Chris O'Donnell sees some other people coming, which it turns out in my reading, um, in my research, I discovered that those people are like that guy's brothers. Uh, I don't think yeah, they, they he said that. Yes, he does. Yeah, because after Chris O'Donnell disarms him, he's like about to murder him. The guy closes his eyes. He's like, my brothers will avenge me and my sister for this. And then then they show up immediately and Chris O'Donnell goes, that fast? That's like the line. Okay, fine. So they show up and then Chris O'Donnell runs away. He runs all the way to Paris. Yeah. Uh, On his way, he like Shanghai's some... (laughs) on his way he just like knocks out some guards who he thinks are chasing two ladies but turns out it's actually just their security yeah uh and one of those ladies falls in love with him yeah it's julie uh, delpy julie delpy Delpy? her name is constance she is the like lady in waiting for the queen of france she's the milady in waiting of the queen in france don't make it confusing there's another character whose name is milady um and okay so then he gets to oh okay so then we cut and we see commander or captain rochefort is disbanding the musketeers yeah. at the at the uh, urging of uh cardinal richelieu who is like these musketeers we don't need them we got to send them to the front in the war and they don't what, say what? which war but they <laughs> definitely mean the valtellino war <laughs> i was gonna say uh, i never said the valtellino war I, I, T, in your defense, I was confused hearing you say Valentina War a hundred times. Imagine if you were, <laughs> imagine if you were a, a young Disney going uh, child. So I, I get it. I understand uh, why. The they don't say what war it is. The movie takes place in 1625. The Valentina War went from 1620 to 1626. Just saying. You were right. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, you were right. Um. Anyway. So, um, all right. And, and Chris O'Donnell is like, his specific thing is he wants to be a musketeer, which yeah. we all predicted in the first half. So he gets there. Um, they've just disbanded. Okay. So they've just disbanded the musketeers and they're but like, the three, three musketeers, musketeers didn't burn their tunics. So I was wrong about this. I said that they did not care about like protecting the oh, king. They totally care. They care a lot about protecting yeah. the so king. Then we meet, okay. So then we meet them. Charlie Sheen is like teaching Bible to some lady whose boobs are just out so can i just pause for a second movie's very booby this movie is incredibly horny yeah i could not believe this was a disney movie this movie is like i'm gonna go into my notes i wrote this movie is horny so many times yeah i wrote uh horny in all caps with a space in between each letter because the amount of instances of it was crazy. So this is a movie for children. So there's, that's the first one, really. And I'm like, wow, this movie's so... Okay, so Charlie Sheen intro with the lady is extremely horny. That's my note. So she is extremely horny for Charlie Sheen. And he's like, I'm your Bible teacher. I'm not into that. And then he's like, actually, you need lived religious experience. And he starts making out with her. And then her husband comes home and he yeah. escapes out the window. Great. Okay. So... That's how we meet him. I don't remember exactly how we meet Kiefer Sutherland's Kiefer, he, uh Chris O'Donnell shows up at the uh, three Musketeers, at the oh, Musketeers right. he headquarters. Up at the headquarters, and he yeah. meets Kiefer Sutherland, who is like lamenting the death of the Musketeers, and they challenges him to a duel. Now, yeah. this is actually in the original book. Chris O'Donnell is extremely headstrong in this movie. Anyone who like he perceives the, the slightest bit of slight, he's like, "Let's duel." So, so fun fact. 
in the book, that is also how he meets the three musketeers. Oh, he nice. challenges all three of them to a duel individually. On the same day. When he shows up to the first duel, the other two people are there as his second and third or whatever. And he's like, wait, I challenged both of you to a duel also. That's funny. So that actually is in the book. Like that's from the book. So he challenges Kiefer Sutherland to a duel. And then he meets Oliver Platt, who's kind of like the jester. And Oliver Platt is like, I slept with the queen of America. And he's like, America doesn't have a queen. And he's like, are you challenging me? And he's like, I challenge you to a duel. And then, so yeah. then they set up a duel. And then then he Charlie Sheen falls out the, jumps out the window after this horned up lady tries to work <laughs> with him. And he lands on Chris O'Donnell. He apologizes or for landing on Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell doesn't accept the apology. <laughs> and so he challenges him to a duel. Okay. So then he goes to the duel with Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, and then that guy from the first duel shows up with his brothers. Yeah. And starts chasing him. That's actually how he gets into the duel with Oliver Platt. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Fine. Right. And so that guy immediately also showed up in Paris. Like that guy followed him all the way to Paris. Right. Over I wonder whatever how far that was. Yeah. Fight was about. Um, okay. And then. Um, you probably okay, should so tap into Wikipedia because I also was like, there's like details in this movie that I immediately <laughs> forgot. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. I mentioned in the first half of this episode that I'm not sure that I'd ever seen the movie. I watched the movie last night and I'm still not sure I've ever seen the movie. So I am, I also had a similar feeling. I've definitely seen the movie and there is flashes of moments that I remember, like the, the patch guy. Let but... me clarify. I've definitely seen the movie. I watched it last night. But I'm still not sure that I've seen the movie. <laughs> okay. It's kind of just gone. Like it was in and out. It's uh, yeah. um, uh, okay. So then, then he's going to have the duel with the three musketeers and Richelieu's men show up. The Cardinal's guard show up to arrest them. And he's yeah. like, I'm on your side. You guys are musketeers. I want to be a musketeer too. There are four of us. We're going to fight them. They fight them. They kill okay. them. They kill for okay. Two two points. Number well, one, fight them with swords. You don't fight with swords and not kill them. I feel like in a Disney movie, you like knock them out and run away. In this movie, they stabbed everyone. No, to no. Death. In Marvel movies, in Marvel movies, people die. Definitely. I know, but this was like a kid's. James movie. Spader drops Sokovia and kills all of. That's other like family. Marvel movies are for uh, teenage boys. This, I feel like this is for younger, no? I mean, Maybe. obviously not because it's I, super I think, horned up. I think they're actually kind of the same audience. And I think the biggest difference between this movie and Marvel movies is not the violence. It's the horniness. Right. Um, okay. So then we meet the king who looks ridiculous. <laughs> He's got like the worst wig on. <laughs> um, and he's like. He looks like he, Prince Valiant. He's like a com- yes, he looks kind of like Prince Valiant, but he's like kind of he's like kind of Job, not Job, uh, Buster like <laughs> yes. from Arrested. He just seems like totally inept, but he's got like an incredibly beautiful wife um, who's like really into him. Yeah, uh, but he's like too shy to talk to her. Yeah, that like- whole thing is so weird because they also like talk about how they they're really into each other, but then like I guess there's the implication where they're, they're like children, so they don't know how to like interact with each other because she like professes like i love it like when she's talking to yeah, her lady like, I love him immediately yeah yeah and then obviously he's really into her and yet like when they're in the room together like they don't know how to interact 
for some no. reason. Well, that's also because they don't know how to act. Uh, <laughs> right. But- By the way, that guy I looked up, he's like ranked number – he's one of like Ireland's most like famous and beloved actors. He's gone on to be, I should say. This is one of his mm-hmm. first roles. Is it Ewan McGregor? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, anyway, I, mean, I said I had two points before. You were talking about like the action, how it wasn't great. The action, I think, is the, the worst part of this movie. Like this, the action sequences, they're not well choreographed. They're yeah, not. It's a really, it's a really competitive category. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, okay, so then, then we see we see Cardinal Richelieu is talking to his conspirator, the seductive envoy Milady, yeah. um, and he literally just. Like the scene where you mentioned like she holds a knife to him and she's going to change his religion. And you're like, that's a blue joke. The 10 seconds that precedes that, is he yes. just like holds his hands like he's going <laughs> to grab honk. both of her boobs. <laughs> he's going to honk if you're on me. Like, uh, again, so I wrote that down in my, he literally just looks like he's going to go like squeeze, squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You um, know, actually you said like, um, uh, it like his performance was going to remind you of like Home Alone. Like that is like like the physical comedy of like him, like just like reaching his hands up, like reminded me of that, of that kind of thing. Okay. So then the musketeers are on the run and actually um, they all get away except for D'Artagnan who gets caught by Captain Rochefort and he's going to be beheaded. Oh, he's like in prison for a bit and he sneaks in and he actually witnesses some of the conversation with Milady. He does not witness the honking. He does not go me too. any of that. (laughs) He's just like, he'll get uh, his chance later. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, so the plan is basically that Richelieu is going to, with his English counterpart, the Duke of Buckingham, they're both going to like murder their respective kings and yes. take over the kingdoms. This is a huge departure from the book. Uh, that is not what happens in the book. Um, which is just, just the, the Duke of Buckingham is a, is is like a character who's having an affair with the with Milady. It's like a totally different plot. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway, uh, I tried to look this up, but then I kept my eyes kept glazing over as I was like reading synopses of this really old book. So like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just like, "How is it different?" And I'm, I have a fun reveal. I asked ChatGPT to explain to me the difference between the two books. Oh, nice! Funny thing is, ChatGPT does not know what happened. <laughs> ChatGPT is like, I think I saw it when I yeah. was eight years old, yeah, but I don't remember. Put a pin in that. I'll come back to it. Uh, okay, so. Um, um okay so then they're gonna behead d'artagnan yeah and there's a great this is actually my favorite little detail in the movie the lady goes up to chris o'donnell and measures his height and she's like wow you're only like five two and you're like a actor like a big star girl you're really little no uh she doesn't say any of that but she does measure him with like a tape measure type contraption yeah right and then she goes to like hold it up to a bunch of coffins in the yeah. background and like she only measures up to his neck. It is actually a great. Oh, piece. I didn't notice that. She measures thought, up to his neck, yeah. and then she's holding it up to all of the coffins to figure out which coffin will be his. And that moment, I really, really liked. Yeah, that is, I guess one star for that moment. I guess that's like uh, a callback to when he was challenging everyone to a duel, and one of them was like, "Bring a wooden box." He's like, "You bring a wooden box for yourself," just like the lamest comeback. Okay, so but I did like that detail. They're measuring out the coffin. Anyway, yeah. okay. So they save him. So no, 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 no. When he is up there to get beheaded, the guy he, shows he up. The guy from the first scene shows up again. I wrote down like, like, like yes, I'm like this guy is really persistent. Yeah, he's really. just like he's just dropping everything. 
I'm going to hang out in Paris for a bit. Well, he's really, really mad that Chris O'Donnell boned his sister. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he won't stop um, until he, he uh, yeah. Okay, so then um, the, the, the Musketeers turn out to be the, the, headsman, the headsman. They've, like, gone undercover. They're in disguise. That's the word I'm looking for. There you go. As, as, the, um, as the hangman, or not the hangman, the executioner. And they break him out, and they escape by horse-drawn carriage. And that's where the great line, do you want some champagne? It's actually not any horse-drawn carriage. It is Cardinal Richelieu's horse-drawn carriage. It's filled with gold. They throw the gold to the people. They redistribute um, the wealth. Very... Yep. Uh, very woke ideals for a 93 yep. movie. Occupy Champs-Élysées. <laughs> uh, um, whatever. Uh, okay, so then they escape. Um, Cardinal Richelieu is very upset that his carriage gets stolen. He says those musketeers are a menace. They must be stopped. It's basically how I felt at this point in the movie. <laughs> oh, um, and then in in uh, that part about the – you had said like powder kegs are going to blow up. They light the carriage on fire and they blow up an incredible amount of powder kegs. Just yeah, all, all the powder kegs. Yeah, it, it looks great. The explosion <laughs> looks awesome. So then they escape. But the thing is, they know that they have a time limit. They have to get to Calais to meet a boat called the Persephone before um, uh, uh, Tuesday night. gets on the boat, and they, yeah. it's like it's it, it's an, it's at Tuesday at midnight, and, and I'm it's sitting there and I'm like, and I'm like, so this is kind of like 24. Oh yeah. <laughs> They have 24 hours to solve this problem. And there's like a ticking <laughs> clock. Keeper Sutherland keeps taking out his Keeper Sutherland keeps taking out his pocket watch. There, I will admit, there was a part of me that was going like, did they say o'clock in the 1600s? <laughs> was it like four o'clock? Uh but they anyway. So okay. So then they they uh, then Cardinal Richelieu is like, oh, those musketeers are going to Calais. Well, I will send a carrier pigeon. They will get there first. Um, so just check. Okay. So then they take a break from their pursuit to do some wenching. Yes. Uh, which is the word that Oliver Platt uses in this movie. Uh, it's another time that I point out this movie is so horny. Uh, yeah, says, I agree. you cannot be a musketeer until you master the art of wenching. Um, which is forcing yourself upon women. Or actually not even forcing yourself upon women. It's it's like doing a performative thing that they have to like wait for while you do it and then kissing them. It's very strange. Um, I was just yeah. listening to a podcast about the uh, the book, The Game, about pickup artists. And like, I'm like, this is like, wenching is like the 1600s version of pickup artists. Exactly. Uh, Oliver Platt just is like, you have to just kiss them so much that they know you're strong at kissing and... And Charlie Sheen is like, no, you recite poetry. Uh, and someone asks if the poetry is Shakespeare. And yeah. he says, no, it's someone else. It's, it's me. I think he said it was like his own original poetry. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and then Oliver Platt does a little dance. He dances a lot like me. And the whole time Kiefer Sutherland is off in the corner like being sad. And then he's like, I was in love. Or no, he didn't say I was in love. He, he didn't say, yeah, because he says like. About love. Because he, he says like he was like a. A fancy pants guy, right? Wasn't that like a thing? Accounts. Yeah. There you go. He said he what, doesn't say where, I was a count. He just says there was a count who fell yeah. in love with a lady, and then it turned out that that lady maybe was a murderer, and so the count disowned her. Well, she was branded with the fleur de lis. Yes, oh, that's important, right? Um, 
Yeah. And then it turns out, anyway, spoiler alert, that lady that he's talking about is Moo Lady, and Moo Lady was his lady. <laughs> it's not that lady. It's <laughs> Moo Lady. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then they're they're um, they're on their horses the next day, and they're going, and they get to this castle, and they start hearing this whistling sound, which is cannonballs being fired from the castle, which looks incredible. Like, that's maybe the best sequence in the movie visually, yeah. is how beautiful that castle looks, and the cannonballs... They make a terrible joke about thinking that someone is whistling. But anyway, um, and then they escape from that, uh, basically. Well, sort of. They don't all escape. They split up into groups of two. Chris O'Donnell and Kiefer Sutherland go on their own. Kiefer Sutherland gets shot in the arm. No, no, no. He just stays back. There's like 50 guys closing in on them. Oh, yeah. There's like 50 guys. He stays back to make a distraction while yeah. Chris O'Donnell goes on horseback to get to Calais. Can I ask a question about what happens next? Do Maybe I was like not paying super close attention. Do we see Chris O'Donnell get his arm injured and like knocked out or does that happen off screen? Yeah, no, that happens on screen. That happens oh, it does? Screen. I don't yeah, know yeah. what I was looking at. Uh, okay. But before that happened, we cut to the queen in the bath and she has a pillow in the bath she's the queen it's like a pillow with tassels it's a single use pillow it's like it's disgusting uh okay so she has a pillow in the bath she's there with her handmaiden who's in love with d'artagnan even though literally has seen him one time after he accosted her security she um, says that she's only seen him one time you know like the movie hangs in on their, in their defense yeah uh, okay and then She's like, go get my robe, handmaiden or whatever. And she goes to get her robe, but then she stands up completely naked and Tim Curry is behind her with the robe. And he's like, I would like to um, <laughs> do my priestly duty to you. And I wrote, this movie is horned up. <laughs> like, he didn't even say that. He was just like, it's so hard being celibate as a priest and I'm not into it. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a lot. Um. Oh, yeah. Um, then Chris O'Donnell is riding, and he says he says this line, which I just wrote down, my horse could use a rest, and my rear is killing me. <laughs> Such a good line that he says as he's riding to Calais. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, right. And then the, the king is talking to Tim Curry, and he says, like, I heard some bad rumors about you. And then Tim Curry says, oh, like, what? I'm going to conspire with the Duke of Buckingham to do a treaty without you and then murder you, which is great because that's literally yeah. exactly his plan and then and then um d'artagnan gets knocked unconscious and is in milady's room naked and she's like then trying to seduce him and he sees the fleur-de-lis and realizes who she is and i wrote in my notes here this movie is so horny <laughs> she's trying to seduce and basic instinct him because she tries to kill him with what looks like an ice pick yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's later. I think she was trying to just seduce him plainly until he disclosed his plan that he was trying to uh, catch her, her unbeknownst yeah. to him her. being him, him, that she was the bad guy. So then she tried to murder him. But otherwise, she was just <laughs> looking for, you know. And then it's it's at this point that I realized that she's the lady from Kiefer's story. And then I wrote, wait, is Kiefer the count in Kiefer's story? I can't tell if you're being sarcastic right now. Okay, I swear to God, here's my notes. Is Kiefer the Count? <laughs> I thought that was so obvious. Anyway, it turns out that Kiefer was the Count. Um, and so they <laughs> capture her. Um, well, they don't... The, a different guy 
who she murdered no, his brother. Some pirate ship, right? No, no, no. Before that, <clears throat> the person who captures her, she's like hiding out in like a house, and this guy shows up and is like, "You murdered my brother, and I have to kill you to like defend his honor." There's a lot of like oh, people that's right. that's trying a separate... to defend honors. Yeah, totally unrelated. Yeah. And then they're all like, "Well, she murdered his brother, so we have to like let this happen." So they go to her execution. And then Kiefer Sutherland is like, wait, very Jack Bauer, his most Jack Bauer moment. She reveals the plan to Kiefer Sutherland. All right. He says, no. And yeah. I specifically wrote that it was terrible. Um, <laughs> they were, yeah, oh, they were... no, sorry, we skipped a part. We skipped a part before this. The, she gets to the Persephone, the ship and Oliver Platt is there with Charlie Sheen, and they have set it up with all of the dead bodies. That's before this? Yes, because the scene of her execution is after this. Oh, okay, fine. Um, and um, anyway, that's how she gets captured, and it's uh, it's kind of boring. And then... Um, so they're uh, about to behead her, then uh, Kiefer's on the screen, no. He's like, you he know... The, the plot. Well, he's like, I, you know, I'm not going to save your life, but I do love you, and like, you should do the right thing. And then she like does the right thing, and then jumps jumps off, off the cliff. cliff. Which you asked if Cardinal Richelieu was going to be like Hook in this movie, and I was like, no, I don't think he's going to be like suicidal or anything. And it turns out that one of the villains in this movie was suicidal. So, I, I don't think she. Well, I guess she was like suicidal from the regret, but also I think she, she literally knew. committed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> but like she knew she was going to die anyway so i guess she wants to like die on her own terms i don't know whatever yep okay so then they go back to the palace to confront richelieu well and- she, so she tells crucially she says richelieu is going to kill the king at his birthday party this friday so again there's another 24 situation where yeah. they have to go boop, 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 really quickly yeah. back so yeah. then they go all the way back and Chris O'Donnell is climbing up to the roof because he's kind of the roof guy. That's like yes. his thing. Well, Richelieu also hired a uh, sniper, sniper to take yes, them but, out. But they don't know that. Right. They just – I'm telling you, Chris O'Donnell's thing is like I'm the roof guy. <laughs> right. So, okay. So then he sees the sniper and he gets into a fight with the sniper. And it's actually kind of cool. He's like hanging off of the flag and swinging and fighting with his sword. It's a cool idea. Some parts of it are cool. He kills that guy. You know, uh, Oliver Platt kills Oliver that guy Platt with a mini guy. crossbow. Yeah. Yep. Oliver Platt has a lot of little gadgets. He also has this like Wolverine claw, which is kind of cool. Um, Okay. So then I wrote, whoa, Sheen died because Charlie Sheen gets shot in this movie. But then it turns out he's not dead. The bullet hit the cross on his neck. You you didn't. I'm just, yeah, I, I saw Not that I remembered it, but like, obviously the cross saved him because he's like a religious guy. So then anyway, they kill both uh, D'Artagnan kills Captain Rochefort fighting in the stairs. And oh, right. It it is really D'Artagnan's dad was a musketeer and that Captain Rochefort killed D'Artagnan's dad after D'Artagnan had uncovered, D'Artagnan's dad had uncovered a plot to kill the king. Another question for you, because I can't tell if you're being serious. You did not piece that all together from all the times they said it earlier. Like that was a big reveal for you. Okay. No, no, again, I just didn't mention it. Okay, just because you didn't get the Keeper Sutherland thing. Yes, we didn't mention it, but, but Rochefort reveals it to d'artagnan but it was very obvious from early on that rochefort is the one who killed his father and the musketeers knew it and they were not telling d'artagnan that yeah okay yep and then Um, he's rochefort is about to kill him as he reveals that but julie delpy like climbs in and like gets his sword and throws it to him as as, uh, rochefort's about to kill him and he stabs him um yeah and then i don't know oh and then okay someone kills 
Richelieu? Yeah, so Richelieu, uh, he's like, my plan's going perfectly because, you know, now like the musketeers are like attacking the, yeah. uh, yeah. So then he grabs the king and uh, the queen and starts rowing back down the same underground river. Uh, And he's like, it doesn't matter because the Duke of Buckingham and then Charlie Sheen's like secretly on the boat and he's like, actually, we... You mean this letter? And like then the Duke of fucking him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's <laughs> and then he's about to kill Richelieu, uh, and instead the the king goes, "No, let me." And then punches Richelieu into the water. So actually, Richelieu like doesn't Richelieu dies. Haunt another day. <laughs> uh, and then and then yeah, they reinstate. Yeah, sorry, you can finish, but yeah, they re, you know he he regains control. They re- they're like D'Artagnan. You've saved the king. Like, what's your one wish? And he's like, to be the uh, to be a musketeer. And they're like, rise. Very emotional. They're like, rise, D'Artagnan. You are now a musketeer. And then he makes out with the lady in waiting. Is it very emotional? Um, that's the plot. I mean, we were we were pretty spot on about what happens in the movie. Yeah. Um, Okay, so so let me quickly read you. I asked ChatGPT some questions. I said, I said, ChatGPT, what's the difference between the 1993? Um, sorry, let me pull this up. I, what was my exact question? I said, um, how is the 1993 movie version of the Three Musketeers different than the book? Uh, and it said, the 1993 film adaptation of The Three Musketeers, directed by Stephen Herrick, while faithful to some of the main plot points and characters of the novel, also contains several significant differences. Here are a few examples. Um, time period and historical accuracy is my favorite part. The film takes place in the 17th century, like the novel, but it does not attempt to be historically accurate. Instead, it features anachronistic elements such as airships and Gatling guns that are not found in the novel. It does not contain them. <laughs> no, it does not contain those things. Airships, uh, they're probably thinking of like some like steampunk, like the, the, that pan movie that came out that no one remembers. Yep. Here we go. So now I'm skipping ahead to number three. It gets number two, right? Okay, romance. The film introduces a love triangle between D'Artagnan, the Queen's handmaiden, and the villainous Milady de Winter, which is not present <laughs> in the novel. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I know this. Happen. I know this movie is boring. Uh, it's not that. Uh, that well, actually, I guess the love triangle. They they both are like made a move for him at some point. Yes, but they didn't make a move for each other. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, which, funnily enough, there sort of is in the book. Yeah. So in the book, Constance aligns herself with Milady, and is ends up being killed by Milady. Oh no! That's in the book. That's not in the movie. Um, Constance okay. dies then, in the in the book. That's so sad. Spoiler D'Artagnan. Um, yeah, and then in I also said if you were writing a modern sequel set in the present day to the Three Musketeers, what would happen? Now I have not read this yet. This is a cold read. <laughs> set in the present okay. day. Set in the present day. That's what I asked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if I were writing a modern sequel to the Three Musketeers set in the present day, here is one possible storyline. Let's see if this is a good movie. The story would follow four young people, each from a different country, who are recruited to join an elite team of international operatives tasked with protecting world leaders from an emerging threat. These operatives are known as the New Musketeers, and they embody the same ideals of loyalty, honor, and courage as their 17th century predecessors. Okay. The main characters would be a brash American named Jack, a skilled French hacker named Marie, a British intelligence officer named James, and a Brazilian martial arts expert named Anna. They would be mentored by a seasoned, a seasoned former operative named Athos, 
who was once a member of the original Musketeers. Wait, so he like lived for four hundred years? <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> There's definitely like an immortality. Like the world leaders are trying to like get their hands on like the immortality. Yep. You know. So let's see. Maybe that'll come in. Maybe yeah. That'll come in. As the team sets out on their first mission, they uncover a plot by a shadowy organization to assassinate the president of the United States and several other world leaders. The new musketeers must use all of their skills and resources to foil the plot and bring the perpetrators to justice. Along the way, they encounter a number of obstacles, including rival operatives from other agencies, corrupt government officials, and powerful corporations with their own agendas. Boring. They also face personal challenges, such as overcoming their own prejudices and learning to trust one another as a team. In the end, the new musketeers succeed in their mission by not without paying a heavy price. They emerge from the experience as a tighter-knit group, determined to continue their work as defenders of justice and champions of the oppressed, just like their legendary predecessors. It doesn't say what the heavy price is. Uh, Yeah, I was was going to ask. What was the heavy price? (laughs) Everyone except Jack died. Oh, an error occurred. If this is your precips, please consist. Please contact us. Yeah, that's not, that's not very helpful. Okay, so that's uh, that GPT corner. That movie sounds uh, terrible. It <laughs> sounds pretty generic. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that ChatGPT is not that talented. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's. I think this this could be a continuing thread. We could keep asking ChatGPT to write sequels to the movies from our childhood. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, so okay, you. What did you think of the movie? I kind of liked it. Okay, really. Let me. I had fun watching it. It I, like I think everything I said about it not being very good is true, but like I would give this movie like a six and a half, seven. It was fun. It was fun. It was like brisk. There were parts that like slowed down a little bit. Except the fighting wasn't great, but I think it is exactly what I was expecting it slash hoping it to be. Where we're talking about like, they don't make movies like this anymore, like. It was a swashbuckling, olden timey adventure. I I think that so I think what what you said is right. Like I think our expectations were correct. Like I gave this movie on Letterboxd two out of five stars, which is a four. But okay. I hear everything you're saying. Like I think there is an element of me that is nostalgia for this nostalgic for this genre of yeah. movie. Um, but like the action isn't good. The yeah. acting isn't good. The jokes aren't funny. The villain isn't good. Like he's not. It, yeah. It's not a good Tim Curry performance. He is a better villain in Home Alone Two, right? Yeah, and he's not great. I agree, he's not great. And I also think um, that like n- none of the actors, I guess, bar Chris O'Donnell, had like a ton of time to like shine or like establish themselves. Like it felt like it was like flitting between so, stuff a lot. I wonder if you agree with me. The only Musketeer that I think was was sort of playing at the right level for the movie was Oliver Platt. A hundred percent. Charlie Sheen's character. I didn't totally get Kiefer. So yeah, they weren't, they could have been much better. It's, yeah. I think I could sit here and pick apart every performance and every plot beat and, and every action thing, but I, the, it the was plot fun. Tra- like we just recounted the plot and you were like, when did he get stabbed? How did he end up unconscious? Like we just watched the movie the last night <laughs> and we can't remember. Yeah. Like, it wasn't it's, great, but it was so like a four. Maybe is harsh, but I also like it's a four, and I'm not disappointed by having watched it. So maybe right. that's like there's this. I like this genre of movie, and exactly. I want it to be better. And what I want to go do now is watch Pirates of the Caribbean, which okay. sidebar yeah. um, uh, Megan saw Kira Knightley. Oh, the really? other day, just you like, should open with that. Walking her out. Why didn't you open with that? Uh, apparently, she looked like a sort of hipster, cool mom. 
I also saw an actress uh, just yesterday. Um, less famous. Remember uh, Leslie Bibb? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. Leslie Bibb. I walked by her. Uh, that's all. So in your, in your face, Megan, you're not the only one. Uh, I, they were apparently at a playground, and I was like, did you get our daughter to play with her daughter so we could become friends with her? And does she have a daughter or a son? Or does she have any kids at all? I don't know. Right. Um, Megan's like, no, I had to call the police on her because she was just loitering around a playground with a bunch of kids. Oh, yeah, no, Kira Knightley's coming over for dinner tomorrow night. That's nice. the next part of the story. Yeah, she, she should be, a, we'll have her on Pirates of the Caribbean episode. Oh, see what she remembers about the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that'd be great. Um, that's not what we're doing next week, listeners. I, I mean, I guess, right, because we're not, we're not, uh, we're not desperate enough to uh, link swashbuckling as the link to the next movie. We still have plenty of, of room to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It wasn't great, but I think the experience of watching it, even though at times there was like, you know, looking at my phone because it was like, this part's kind of boring. It was fun for what it like it i it's a fun type of movie and it was fun enough to watch i have no qualms against it i am glad i didn't show it to my kids because it was way more violent and way hornier than i uh would have ever guessed the horniness was my favorite part uh mostly like well no, no. my favorite part was the genre like, yeah this is sort of a genre maybe that we both have an affinity for obviously that doesn't really get made i also just like this type of horniness in movies um, not in the sense of like shit. Because you are too. Because I enjoy it. No, no. I mean, like, I appreciate that. Like, it, almost in contrast to modern movies, I think we've previously cut out of episodes conversations around how yeah. modern movies have no sexuality yeah. or horniness to them, and it's weird because everybody is so hot. Um, but like, so I kind of like that this movie leads into it. I don't like the way this movie treats its female characters yeah, who get no time on screen and literally are extremely boob forward. Yeah. They're very, they're very but, much um, objects for, for most of the movie. I guess Milady uh, like, is supposed to be like, you know, a woman who has a lot of agency and like, you know, she gets the upper hand on Richelieu when she's going to circumcise him. Right, but he's trying to get his upper hands on her. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say that. Um, yeah. yeah. No, uh, I, I I think we're agreed. I'm just going to give it a six and a half because, like, it was it, I, it was fun to watch. Like, a four seems like a bad watch. That's where I would. seems harsh, but I'm going to stick with it because I would recommend watching the Super Mario Brothers movie before I recommend watching this movie, both as interesting curios, not because that movie's better or worse. Yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think as a genre, I would, I would recommend this as like a more straightforward, like piece of fun. If you want to watch a fun movie, yeah, for Super Mario, would be like hundred movies above this movie. Yeah, no, that's right. If you want to watch a movie like Super Mario Brothers, guess what? You're watching Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> right. like, that's totally there's fair. not a lot of movies. Like, if you want to watch this movie, I'm just going to be like, okay, cool. Just watch a different movie. Yeah. Like watch Pirates or watch the 1974 version of this movie, which by the way, has a sequel called The Four Musketeers. Which which one? The seventy the movie the, the oh. 1973 or 1974 okay. version of The Three Musketeers, which was actually split into two movies, The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers. Uh-huh. It's funny because I mentioned that this movie didn't get a sequel. Right. Um, okay. Um, All right. I have three tiny notes that I wrote down, and I'm just now going to have a chance to say them because before you get into the research, and then I'm just going to throw them. Sort out. of layered stuff in. I wrote a lot of great mustaches. <laughs> That was an early note I had. Um, 
we skipped a part in the recap where um when they split up in the tunnels to find cardinal richelieu at the end there's like a, a torturer and he has a yep. real uh mad max fury road or i guess any mad max uh vibe to him yep. uh i wrote that down and then the, oh yeah <laughs> and he is killed in the most disturbing way yeah uh, one of the musketeers like pushes him onto a wall of spikes. Yes, and you're like, oh, he killed him. And then he and looks. Then yeah, he's like, no, I'm alive. And then he closes another side of spikes and <laughs> crushes him with spikes. It's a violent movie. It's a really violent yeah. movie. Oh, and then in the first half of the episode, when we were talking about musketeers, and I said, no, there is an animated Three Musketeers with Mickey Mouse. When you were searching Disney Plus and wrote the Three Musketeers, that came up also, right, right next to it. Yeah, okay. of course. So. I was you right. were right, Ron. You were right. Okay. Um, okay. So other things I learned about this movie. Uh, Brian Adams, um, Rod Stewart, and Sting recorded an original song for this movie. Where? What? Yeah. I saw that. When did it play? Called All for Love. The credits. Did you not listen to the whole song over the credits? No. It's the best part of this movie because it's a, not a bad song. It was the number one hit. Uh, a hit song, All for Love. You should play a snippet of it in the episode instead of me singing it for you. Here we go. In in on the year end charts for the US Billboard Hot 100, it ended number 8. No, okay. for the year 1994, its top position it was number 1. Um it is certified Platinum in the United States, 1.2 million units sold. At least. Wow! I mean, there's a lot of uh, oh, a lot of um, a lot of famous singers in one in one collab. So I'm sure people were excited at the time. Yeah, people were like, "Can't get enough." All for one and all for love. Uh, okay, so that's that's one interesting thing about this movie. Um, so here's actually something that I think is is funny. We both talked about in the first half of this about how we're excited to see this movie because it'll be bad in a way that Disney movies, especially, aren't bad right now. Yeah, because Disney has like sort of honed all their products. Um, and I want to read a little snippets from Janet Maslin's review in the New York Times at the time, mm-hmm. which I think touched on that a little bit. Um. Her opening is kind of funny. It's a little known fact that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles once romped through 17th century France and that when they took off those green masks, they looked like long-haired teen throb movie stars. That seems to be the point of The Three Musketeers, a big swashbuckling Disney version that manages to incorporate explosions, martial arts, and wise guys dialogue, wise guy dialogue into what's left of not terribly much of the classic Dumas story. I mean, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, as Three Musketeers, it, to me, is a great pitch. That's a is, selling point. Not, it is a good pitch. It's also not a terrible call for what this movie is like. Yeah. I don't think she liked the Ninja Turtles. I think the Ninja Turtles are better than this movie. Yeah, um, we'll, get, we'll get there eventually. Um, okay, now let's hold on. There's a line here. Um Conceived, frankly, as a product, complete with hit-to-be theme song over the closing credit, this adventure film film cares less about storytelling than about keeping the musketeers feathered hats on straight whenever they go galloping um so like she's already saying disney hasn't made a movie they've made a product and we're we're, yeah and And we're saying disney used to make movies (laughs) even when they were shitty (laughs) right Right? so uh, i thought that was interesting just because we specifically called it out that way um i read a bunch of bad reviews Uh, there wasn't anything super interesting 
I tried to get most of the distinctions. Uh, there's, I didn't find a ton that was like super interesting to call out between the differences between the, the, the movie and the book, other than like, they're just really different. Like, yeah, well, ChatGPT uh, didn't do a great job either. Um, yeah. Well, did you read the casting stuff? I thought that was interesting. About how... Uh, Just everyone who was supposed to be in this movie. Or what they wanted. They wanted, to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was also the thing where there was going to be like three competing movies. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think uh, it's worth mentioning. Yes, Charlie Sheen was originally sought to play the role of Porthos instead of Aramis. Who cares? Brendan Fraser was the first choice for the role of D'Artagnan. Brad Pitt and Stephen Dorff also turned that role down. So those, that's an interesting... Uh, I feel like Brad Pitt and Chris O'Donnell did have like a brief period where people kind of saw them as the same. And then people realized that Brad Pitt could act. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. I think Brad, Brad Pitt, Brendan Fraser, they would have been good. Stephen Dorff, I think, would have been a weird... I don't know what he was up to in 93, but I, yep. he, he's not that kind of actor. Okay. Uh, William Baldwin, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Al Pacino. Al Pacino in this movie would have been crazy. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Carrie Ewells, which is weird because he was in The Princess Bride. Is that uh, how you say his name? No, probably not. It's Elwes. I, I don't know. I would say Elwes. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is an interesting one. Um, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman would have been a good Cardinal Richelieu. Winona Ryder as Milady. That's uh, also weird right? because Rebecca de Mornay, I think, is significantly older than Winona. Like, Winona Ryder would have been a young Milady, would have had a whole different vibe. Rebecca de Mornay, yes. It would have been a different vibe, but I think that's okay. This was more like a, a graduate vibe where like Winona Ryder would have been like more like the other women in the cast. Okay. So there was, okay. So yeah. So there were other adaptations of this Disney. Uh, where did it, where was that? They hired, they wanted, they like they were developing three different three Musketeers movies at the same time. No, not Disney. So Disney, Columbia, and Tri-Star oh, right. were all developing competing pictures. Right. Uh, and then it ended up being that they only made one uh, because, like, they went to court or something. Um, and Kiefer Sutherland and Oliver Platt were both approached by... To be in, both, to be in two of them. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. And Johnny Depp was uh, cast in one of them. Uh, that's so weird. It's like, again... So there was one other thing that I thought was interesting that I'm now not, be, not finding... While you're looking for that, I'm going to read this line from uh, um, a review that says, the director, Stephen Herrick, would have been smart to take more of his cues from Platt's performance. On the few occasions when the film slips into bratish MTV knowingness, it at least has its own cheeky flavor. Bratish MTV knowingness. Yeah, it's it's the that's the equivalent of like complaining that everything is like a Marvel movie is like complaining like that everything TikTok. is like an MTV yeah, exactly. Yo, it's much more like TikTok. That's that's a good call. Yeah. Um, God, I cannot imagine Al Pacino in this movie. Oh, exactly. yeah, this was the thing. Um, Chris O'Donnell and Oliver Platt all did six weeks of sword training for this movie, which does not show at all, no. except Charlie Sheen didn't do the sword training, and he looks even worse in the fight <laughs> scene than they do. Because in each of the fight scenes, like someone will come at him with a sword, and he'll just like block it and then punch them. Right. He doesn't even use the sword, basically. And once you know that he didn't do any of the training, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, that, that does make sense. Oh, we didn't close the loop that the last scene in the movie when they walk out and they're like, what should we do now? And that guy is still looking for D'Artagnan. And he's like, there he is. And then they're like, all for one and one for all. And they chase after them. And that's like the end of the movie. But this guy, man, 
he's really, really bad. At that. Yeah. Oh, it's kind I, of a funny joke. It is a funny joke. It's also funny that when D'Artagnan finally gets away from them, like before going to Paris for the first time, he's like, he's like, say hi to your sister for me. That's a good line. Um, yeah, it's fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Not a great movie. Not one for the canon. Not one I'm showing to my kids. Definitely um, not one for the canon. But I, I don't regret watching it. I'm glad that we watched it. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So whose turn is it? I think it's technically your turn. Um, but I'm going to make an executive decision to take back my turn because I loved the movie Executive Decision and Oliver Platt gets us there. So I'm stealing your turn. We're going to watch Executive Decision, uh, the action movie. This is going to get us back into like speed territory. Um, I choose I'm not playing Steven Seagal in the next episode, meaning I'm not going to be in the episode for five minutes and then die. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Spoiler. Spoiler alert. That's all I remember. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely remember like more about the movie. I'm psyched. I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, it was like a very uh, like big action movie in my household, in my life. Nice. We're doing it. I'm sorry to steal your choice. Um, that is okay. Maybe we could try like a snake draft where you'll get two after this. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, all right. Well, we'll be back next week. Executive decision. 